Uh, sorry, guys, I'm still doing the bring the agenda up on my side. Almost there. Okay, calling the meeting to order at 6.45 p.m. Um, first, uh, we will do roll call. Please say your name when I, uh, please say here when I say your name. Uh, Vice Chair Jory. Here. Commissioner Gabby. Here. Commissioner MJ. Here. Commissioner Michelle. Commissioner Jonathan. Here. Okay. Um, for staff, do we have Parks and Community Services Director Lynn? Human Services Manager Jen? Here. Human Service Coordinator Annie? Here. Youth Service Coordinator Reggie? Here. Human Service Coordinator Amanda? Here. Hey. Uh, next, we have the land acknowledgement, and I believe MJ will be reading it for tonight. Yep. We acknowledge that the Southern Salish Sea region lies on the unceded and ancestral land of the Coast Salish peoples, the Duwamish, Muckleshoot, Puyallup, Skykomish, Snoqualmie, Snohomish, Squamish, and Tulalip tribes, and other tribes of the Puget Sound Salish people, and the present-day city of Kirkland is in the traditional heartland of the lake people and the river people. We honor with gratitude the land itself, the first people who have reserved treaty rights and continue to live here since time immemorial and their ancestral heritage. Great, thank you so much. Um, who would like to read the, uh, the land acknowledgement for the next meeting? I'd like to read it unless someone else would like to read it. I, like, I think that's Jory, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, uh, next we have approving the September 27th uh, meeting minutes. Um, if there are no other changes, um, uh, we can go ahead and motion to approve. Motion to approve the, the last meeting's minutes. Okay, do I hear a second? Second. Hey. I think. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Abstentions? Motion carries. Thank you. All right. Uh, next items from the audience. Um, Reggie, do we have any guests for tonight? No, we do not. Right. Moving on to our business item. Um, so we do uh, we do have a staff recommendation for funding. So first up, this evening is Jen to provide an update with the uh, from the council uh, on their special budget meeting on current funding available and the city council request to the commission to this commission to rank the order uh, in option B and option C and the um, and recommendation based on the fundings that's available to the city. So Jen, you are up. Alrighty. Go ahead and share my screen. I've been having some really weird stuff with my screen sharing, so bear with me here. Can you see the presenter view or the view you're supposed to see? We see your view. 
We're seeing the slide, the big slide, and then all the little slides on the left. Okay. What about now? Same. No Same. Just try to reshare. That might that might that might refresh it a little. But we're fine with this mode, I think. I mean, that works working. Just don't know why this is happening. Okay. All right. We're okay with this mode. Yeah. Okay. So we are coming back to the commission tonight with a brief update. There have been a couple changes that have happened since the recommendations were presented to council at the September 20th meeting. So what we're going to do is briefly just go back and summarize the three options that were presented to council with the two one-time funding requests for option B and option C. I'm then going to go into the additional funding streams that are currently being proposed in the city manager's budget, um, which I think you will be excited to see. Um, and then we'll summarize what that additional one-time funding allocation is, what that has allowed us to do with option A, B, and C. And then we will jump into what the council has asked the commission to do tonight. In order to start the conversation, we have proposed a drafted list based on the commission's priorities and how you structured A, B, and C. So again, it's just a jumping off point similar to what we did with the draft recommendations. So because I'm gonna be jumping through several different topics, feel free to raise your hand throughout the slide deck and I will pause and answer questions as we go. Um, I'm hoping to get through this fairly quickly so then we can open it up for discussion and kind of finalize what that list should look like for council. All right, so. When we presented to Council on September 20th, these were the three options that were presented along with the framework from the Commission, MJ. It did not advance for us. We're still seeing the title slide. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> what about now? No difference. But you know what I think it is? I've had this problem before. Um, when you're picking share, you can either pick the screen or the PowerPoint. Yeah. And that's where I've screwed up. So maybe try the other one. I don't know which one you're Interestingly, trying. Interestingly, I tried both, but let's see. What about now? Same view as before. We're seeing your whole desktop. Like we're seeing your whole, we can see every app you have open. The reason partly in advance now. Yeah, it moved. Ah. Oh, oh yeah. Yep, it did. What about now? No. Yeah, it moved. It moved. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it did. Okay. Okay. It's advancing. It's fine. I'm not a millennial. I don't know how to run <laughs> technology. Okay. So these are the three options that were presented to council along with the framework now that you can see them. So the first one is the base budget, so what's guaranteed part of the budget. Um, those funds, as we know, are kind of the highest priority ranked programs and organizations that y'all put forth for council consideration. The second two options were one-time funds. So in total, the commission asked council to consider requesting and support of about $2.5 million per year to support the grant recommendations. 
I'm just going to confirm that you're seeing the change in slide. No? no Not yet. Do you want us to see total funding requests or the next slide adjusted? No, the next slide. Yeah. Oh, there we are. Okay. This is really weird. Okay. So the city manager took what the council was in support of. I know many of you watched that meeting. So council was very supportive of the three recommendations and the adjusted framework for 23-24. So they put it back on the city manager to try to find additional funds available to be able to expand that human services budget. So here, what you'll see in green are some of the adjustments that have um, changed and impacted option A since we last met and finalized the recommendations the end of August. So the Prop $1, that was estimated about $630,000, so not a huge difference there. We just got the final estimated number. For MFTE, that went up about $5,000 per year, so that's why that's highlighted in green. The most notable difference that really expands the base budget is the last line item there, which is House Bill 1406. House Bill 1406 was part of the Human Services Grant Budget for 21-22. Originally, the plan was to reallocate these dollars to put towards ARCH in support of affordable housing. But recognizing the huge need that um, the commission saw this year for the grant cycle, um, the city manager is proposing keeping these funds within the human services budget. So there is a few pros um, and a couple, I would say, challenges with this funding stream. So the obvious pro is it allows us to bolster that option A, which is the base budget by about $253,000, as you can see, which is pretty significant. I would say one of the limitations of this funding stream is it can only be used for rent assistance. So what we were able to do is take the options that were included for option A, option B, and option C that we're proposing to use it on rent assistance and put all of those into option A. That did allow us to free up funding to then shift some of the option B recommendations into option A, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of go into what those specific programs were uh, momentarily, but this is the adjusted total for option A. So you can see it's been increased by give or take about $270,000, which is excellent. So the additional funding um, that the city manager proposed, again, recognizing the need, was two activation um, or activation of two additional funding streams. So the first one is American Rescue Plan Act funds, also known as ARPA dollars, and then um, being able to tap into the Human Services Reserve Fund. So this total here is the additional that's included in the city manager's proposed budget. So about $430,000 per year. So in total, it's just about 860,000 additional dollars, which is huge. Um, we would not be able to do this unless we had the one-time funding. So what Human Services did was take a look at the current earmarked allocation we have for Human Services dollars, estimated potential unspent funds by years end through some of our other programs, and we were able to come up with an estimate that is now going to go towards 23-24 funding. So what did this do? 
I'm having to do some weird adjusting on my screen, so I apologize for the delay. So kind of high level adjustment summaries look like this. For rent assistance, by activating the $1,406, we were able to fully fund attain housing. Um, originally, the proposed funding was about $35,000. We're now able to fully fund that at about $65,000, which is addressing a huge need that we're currently seeing in the community and also in, in alignment with both commission and city priorities. We were also full, able to fully fund MCRC's rent assistance request, as well as partial fund for tomorrow's rent assistance request. Okay. That's why you see such a significant shift in the option C um, recommendation, because we were able to move that initial proposed recommendation of for tomorrow and the rent assistance dollars from option C to option A, hence why it's about $143,000 or so. What we're able to move to option A is the both of the ELAP programs, so Eastside Legal Assistance, which is supporting housing stability in the community. That was one of the organizations that we moved to option B to create more opportunity for funding some of our smaller by four organizations. We did move both ELAP programs back to option A, given the current demand that we're seeing from that program and how much we are heavily relying on them along with other partners. We also were able to increase homeless services support in option A by way of the city funded program. So the street outreach position as well as the hotel voucher program. So because of kind of all of that moving tiles around, that's why you see the adjusted totals that may look a little different in both option B and option C compared to what you passed um, at your August 23rd meeting. So this was in your packet, um, but this is just kind of a summary in one place, kind of what went to city council, what city council will approved of, and then what is currently being proposed as part of the city manager's budget. So that first column, you'll see what the recommendation was from the commission, and then you'll see where the current gaps are based on what your recommendations were and what's in the proposed budget. I'll be the first to say that this is pretty amazing progress considering the one-time funds and it is one-time funds for two years. So these are all numbers that are annual. They're not um, part of the biennium. So you'll see that within the proposed budget, it's only about 50,000 of the $500,000 request that's currently not funded. And then for option C that is currently unfunded, there is the option potentially to still have funding available. Um, the budget process is still moving. There's still um, dollars that could be allocated, but that is why we shifted the meeting to tonight, um, recognizing that the majority of option B is included within the budget, but really want to hear from the commission what your priorities are within that option B recommendation. And then if additional funds are available and council would like to direct the city manager to allocate them, understanding where your priorities are for option C so we can just apply it without having to meet again about it. So... The direction from council after last week's meeting was again in huge support of being able to fund all three options, but there are a lot of things that are citywide that they want to fund. So what they have asked the commission to do is rank option B and option C. 
Um, and again, like I mentioned, if additional funds become available or they choose to allocate, that's great. But in case they're only able to allocate some, or maybe this is, you know, kind of where the rubber meets the road, um, we have really clear guidelines on which programs are included in the final recommendations that will be passed as part of the budget when it's voted on in early December. So, Similar to what we did for the grant recommendations, we have put together a staff recommendation based on all of the conversations we've been having all year that involve city priority areas, the commission priority areas, and where we really want to target, you know, kind of the most substantial needs we're seeing in the community. So again, when we originally built out the three recommendations, the commission was really clear that you wanted to be able to fully fund B before C. So currently those additional funds are all going towards option B. So just in case any of you need to remember what the key priority areas are for the commission, even though we've, you know, this should be tattooed on our bodies at this point, here's <laughs> what they are. So again, we're prioritizing homelessness, we're prioritizing behavioral health, eviction prevention, so rent assistance, legal services, anyway, to be able to support folks staying in their household and then being able to provide those basic needs, whether that's food, clothing, gas, things like that. Of course, the other areas are very important. And I think one of the things you'll see within the staff recommendations are there are several that are in kind of those lower ranked priorities because we put many of those programs that have received funding in the past in option B. So you will see some in there. Um, and just as a reminder that there's not a lot of representation of kind of priority six through 10 in option A. But again, this is just a, a jumping off point for the group um, to kind of help guide what that final list should look like tonight. All right, so these are currently done by goal area. So the first priority we put within option B is all of our homeless programs that were not included as part of option A. So you're gonna see our four big shelters in there that support men, that support women, that support youth um, and young adults, as well as families with children. So whether that's the cost of living adjustment um, or additional funds <coughs> to try to make that program more whole, you're gonna see those kind of on the upper end of the list. Again, kind of the where the final line is drawn is what's ultimately important, but we did rank it based on highest priority from staff perspective to kind of, it would be really great if we had additional funding to put towards this, but here's where we think the highest priority is. Hey, Jen, could you um, increase the size of the um, slide on the, yeah, right there. That'd be great. Perfect, yeah. thank you. And I can pull up a list once we're done as well. The other one that you'll see on here is supporting our women's shelter and those that are fleeing from domestic violence. But again, all shelter. Jen, so, quick question on the, um, I guess, uh, these numbers are based on our 
Correct. Before, okay. There's no changes to the recommended number. This is what was included in your recommendations to council. Got it. And then, um, so these numbers would have the COLA adjustments, right? Correct. Got it. Thank you. So the next kind of tier that we included was housing. So many of the housing programs that provide services, so HopeLink, Imagine Housing, Kindering, the transitional housing program that MAPS runs. Traditionally, we have put those in option B, so we rank those fairly high. These are critical services that are provided to the community. They tend to be, for the most part, fairly standalone in the services that they offer here on the east side. So again, we've ranked those fairly high within option B. Moving on to goal area two, which is supportive services, you'll see kind of a variety of programs. So you have um, Boys and Girls Club, which supports youth here on the east side. You also have um, Chinese Information and Service Center, which supports primarily Chinese, Vietnamese, and Russian-speaking families. You have Youth Eastside Services. There are support programs for both African-American youth and Latinx youth as well as some legal support and then case management for families and students in the Lake Washington School District. Many of these programs are serving youth, in particular youth of color, so that is why they are ranked as high as they are within this priority list. Next up is the Eastside Legal Assistance, as well as LifeWire, um, specifically their advocacy services. Again, that first one is one of the ones um, that we were able to move the um, kind of the primary amount of funding into option A, but the COLA stayed in option B. We weren't able to fully fund this, and it's a pretty big demand right now on this partner, so we have included it fairly high in our list of priorities. Moving on to goal area four. Um, so this includes some behavioral health services as well as the two health point programs. All of these have been um, recommended for funding and received funding in the past. Again, you'll see a fairly large emphasis on supporting communities of color with behavioral health, with healthcare, um, as well as advocacy and support services. And then moving into the last goal area, again, many of these historically have lived in option B. So we did, even though they, again, kind of fall on those lower priorities for the commission, they are critical services in the community. And based on our conversations that we've had with the commission, um, there was interest in being able to fund across all five goal areas. Of course, there's much more targeted investment in goal area one and two. But again, really wanting to make sure that we are um, making funding recommendations in support of education and employment um, for some of our larger providers here on the east side. So all of those in green is what's currently um, being proposed from staff as part of option B. So it's a very large list, um, which is really exciting because those were all up for additional one-time funding. This is when it gets not so fun. So in order to, I think, to Jonathan's point, kind of figure out the final calculations and where we can draw the line, 
Um, these two programs, what was included in the original commission's recommendations have been adjusted. So Gildas, these are different numbers than what was sent to council for September 20th. So crisis connections, their cost of living, um, we adjusted it um, by a very small reduction. And then HopeLink, we adjusted their cost of living as well. Part of the reason why we did this is again, these are both organizations that have a lot of resources and we think they're able to secure grant funding elsewhere. So it's not an easy decision, but we tried to be intentional about if we are not able to provide the funding that was recommended, which agencies you know, have more ability and more agility to seek funding elsewhere if they need it. So that is where the line currently virtually is drawn. So what is currently not recommended for funding is the following. I think you'll see a mix of some of the cost of living adjustments that were included in option B, as well as unfortunately some programs that without the funding, but given the current priorities of the commission, do not hit that bar. Um, again, it's not an easy choice, um, but this is again kind of what we started with. So. Child care resources, um, Catholic Community Services, specifically their volunteer program, the Families of Color Support Group, Bridge Disability Ministries, which is their medical equipment loan program, Sound Generations, which is also a volunteer-run program, Harborview's Cost of Living um, to support uh, sexual assault survivors, as well as King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, their cost of living as well. Um, the street outreach case manager position and the hotel voucher program. The last two, part of the reason why they're included on the not recommended for funding, because I see MJ's face, is we've been able to activate some additional funding on the city end. And so I feel confident that we'll, we can address those gaps internally um, and not have to go by way of the grant funding because we've been able to activate a new funding stream to support both of those programs. So that's why you see those on there. And then these, as you'll see, are all of the mental health programs that individual agencies applied for. Again, this is not necessarily because the commission is not prioritizing mental health. One of the things that we had talked about when building out the different recommendations was prioritizing behavioral health services that are available for anyone. Most of these are specific to the provider, so they have to be enrolled in NAMI, in Friends of Youth, in Imagine Housing, and Congregations for the Homeless in order to access those services. So if that's something that Council really wants to be able to invest in. Um, they will have the opportunity to allocate additional funding, but given the fact that they were already in option C, we kind of listed them, you know, from basically youth and young adults because we had talked about prioritizing youth and young adults to imagine housing and then congregations. And then the last um, ones that we did put on here, um, and we do know that the commission is really interested in supporting set-aside funds for both the indigenous community and the black and African-American community, but we wanted to be mindful that we're not able to fund applications that did apply for funding. So we are including those kind of on the bottom tier um, just because we're not able to already fund many applications. 
So I am going to stop talking. But the questions for you are kind of first take general feedback and if there's any adjustments that you want to recommend um, or propose as a group. Um, we want to open it up for discussion. Um, we probably have about 45 minutes if need be. So I'm going to stop screen sharing so I can take notes. We can also answer any questions about process, um, kind of next steps once you've finalized this list. Quick question. Is it possible you could send the slides out email so that we can have kind of both up and be able to not have to make you go, can you go to this one? Can you go to that one? So we can kind of look at them on our own as well. Sure. That'd be helpful. Thanks. I can do that or I can just send you those slides in like one list in Excel because that's what I pulled it from. Perfect. That okay. works for me. Yeah. For me too. Okay. Just give me one second here. So Jen, let me, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I can multitask. If I understand, it is in option B, it is not that we are not funding anything. We're, we're still funding part of it. We're funding of the 490, we're funding about 440. Yeah. So all the green from staff is recommending for funding. Okay. All right. I, I think this may be the same question and I'm just confused, but um, I know like a lot of organizations applied for different things, right? So when we see an organization on there and you said like no COLA for them, we did, they got funded in option A or somewhere else. And it's just that sort of line item that isn't going to get funded, right? Okay. Correct. So if it's like the 500, they most likely got the 12,000. They're just not going to get the cost of living. And we didn't we didn't parse out cost of living. We probably could have taken that out and then fully funded everything else. But again, that was part of the commission's framework. So we wanted to honor that um, and decided to go with the priority areas when making the staff recommendation. And I do have Michelle's list. If anyone has a question or what does she think, I can kind of summarize. Um, but she listed her recommendations based on the priority areas as well with a focus on youth and young adults. No, I, I, I think I, I can kind of start, I, I do want to say thank you uh, to you and the rest of the staff on uh, making this rec recommendation. I think this is very thoughtful and that, you know, you have really taken um, our commission's like framework and kind of principles and values in mind when we're doing the option A, B, and Cs and kind of those kind of areas of focus. And, and so uh, really appreciate it. I think it, it very much largely aligned to what I'm thinking uh, I need to go through the specific, um, mostly in the in the reds, um, mm -hmm. uh, in the PDF you just sent uh, to kind of kind of make it take a quick peek. Uh, but that's kind of my kind of quick 
quick reaction to your presentation. So thank you, Jen. Absolutely. Gabby, oh, sorry, Gildas. So, I'm sorry if I am still confused a little bit about this. For, for instance, just to have an example, uh, mm -hmm. a example, for uh, congregations for the homeless has something in green in option B, and that has uh, something in red uh, in option C. Yes. But do they have something, but are they are also included in option A? Correct. Okay. So, so, we, so they are they are not just being eliminated. It's just a cut of yes. what they are asking. Yeah. So all these all, or, or most of these in red, they're still getting something because right, most of them or some of them. Um, most of the ones in red are not getting anything for that specific program. Okay. So congregations is a good example. So congregations, I believe, submitted six different applications for funding. Um, and we can pull up the big list of recommendations if that's helpful, too, so you can see what's included in option A. But their shelter, which is their primary application where they request the most funds, they're receiving full funding in option A. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, this does not include it. anything in option A. Option A is essentially locked and loaded and ready to go with an extra $250,000 in there. <laughs> we like it. We're very grateful to our city manager. <laughs> <laughs> He's very committed. He's got the toughest job here. <laughs> um, Gabby. Others in the commission? Gabby, yep. So uh, let me ask you one thing. Is there any of these in red, either B or C, that are not getting anything at all. I mean, not for these programs, but in general as an organization that they apply for different, maybe for different. Great question. Um, so is there any of these that are not getting anything at all? I mean, that they're there, we said, okay, we want to support them, but they are getting zero. I mean, just, just to, understand which ones are the ones that are not getting anything if there is a case like that. Yeah, I'm going to have my team help me out and interrupt me if I'm wrong. So if one of you can pull up the full recommendation. So childcare resources will not be getting anything. Catholic Community Services will be receiving funding for their new Beth program, which is the Families with Children Shelter. Families of Color Seattle will be getting nothing. Bridge Disability Ministries will be getting nothing. They submitted one additional, um, their guardianship application, and that was not included in the recommendation. So this would put them at zero for two recommended. Sound Generations will not be getting funding. Harborview will be receiving funding. So their base award is included in option A. King County Sexual Assault, their um, primary, the larger amount is also an option A. Jen, <clears throat> real yes. quick, Sound Generations, do they do Meals on Wheels? Yes. As well, Thank and you. They are, we are funding them. Okay. Right? Thank yeah. you. This is why I'm happy.
having you check in the background. There's so many to remember. So thank you, Annie. Uh, the street outreach case manager and the motel, motel voucher program, both are receiving funding in option A. NAMI is receiving funding in A and B. Friends of Youth is receiving funding in A and B. Imagine Housing is receiving funding in B. Congregations is receiving funding in A and B. And then the set aside for Indigenous and Black and African American would not be receiving any funding. Is that helpful, Gabby? Very. That helped me too, yeah, thank you. If you have specific questions about some of them, we can talk about them as well. Um, yeah, I have some, just a comment or concern or and maybe even a recommendation. So I'm looking at the, the I, I'm concerned that we're defunding mental health support too aggressively and then funding some things that I think we could uh, move down on the list to not fund. So for example, we're saying we're not going to fund um, the Friends of Youth Mental Health and Substance Use Order, Disorder Counseling for Young, young Adults and Youth. We're not going to fund Imagine Housing Onsite Behavioral Support. We're not going to fund Congregation for the Homeless Onsite Mental Health Services. Um, there's a number of those in that section on that um, second to last page at the bottom half. Yet we are funding dental care, primary dental care, primary medical care. Um, and we're funding Eng uh, Hope Links English for Work and GED education programs. Um, we're funding Hope Links employment services for low income. Some of those, including even Eastside Baby Corner, essential supplies, I think it's just their COLA increase. Um, and then the Kindering Center consultations to improve care and um, expulsions from childcare and preschool. Um, the Boys and Girls Club Academic and Youth Development, we're, we're prioritizing those and we're deprioritizing the ones on that second half of the um, second to last page. I'd almost switch those just to think about that. Yeah, so. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Great observation. So we included all of those mental health programs as part of the option C recommendation. So the other options or the other programs that you listed, the medical, the dental care, the employment, the GED, the education, those were all included in option B. So the direction from the commission was to prioritize funding those option B programs over option C. Um, I will note about the behavioral health programs that all of those are new programs. So we wouldn't necessarily be defunding them. We just wouldn't be funding at a higher investment. So just some additional, we took based on commission's direction there. Okay. So if if the commission wants to make adjustments, I mean, it's your recommendation. So we'd open that up to see if that's what y'all are interested in. So to a fire standard quality, we're not, we can do whatever we want to do, so to speak. We're not locked in. If we wanted to move some of those C's up to B and some of those B's down to C, we could potentially do that. Is that correct? There's no reason why we wouldn't be able to imagine. You could. I think council might ask why were these put in option C and we were, you know, they did ask to rank option B first. So, and that's 
what we asked a couple months ago and the commission was really clear that option B was a higher priority than C. Yeah. So I would maybe have to lean on Gildas to come in and speak to that if there is that significant of a shift. Right. Yeah, with more data, we have, you know, we're being, our, our hands being forced a little bit, right? So we're, we're forced to uh, rethink our earlier decision, maybe. Well, I don't know. I, it, is anyone feeling that tension as well in, in second guessing the original recommendations that you presented? Jory, Scott, Anna. Jory, and then Gabby. Um, yes, for uh, the dental health uh, in B, I would. I'm thinking of cutting that down, if possible, and then prioritizing some of the mental health in C. But I don't know if it's uh, appropriate for us, given how we've ranked everything before. Uh, but that's just my initial thoughts is um, I'd rather have my facilities up here um, like uh, assisted or helped with than teeth, even though teeth are, is very important. Well, yeah, I, I also I, I want to uplift that dental care is very challenging for many folks who are uninsured um, or have lesser insurance. Um, that's one of the. So I'll give this example at the recent Kirkland um, Health and Wellness Fair. Um, we were able to bring in services um, to address 21 adults with urgent dental care issues who had no insurance whatsoever. That doesn't happen very often. And they were, you know, 21 is a lot of folks in one day, but not anywhere near the number of folks who could use those services. So, um, and we don't have a lot of options when it comes to dental care um, for folks on the east side. So the next option would be going into Seattle and um, or, or hopefully Bell. finding a, 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 an appointment there. Um, so that those are not easy um, services to access or to navigate. Yeah, I can, uh, <laughs> thankfully that is an area that I am. <laughs> I am uh, more more educated about because of my uh, volunteering experience. Uh, Annie, like she is absolutely right. Uh, the state normally, when they're looking at cutting fundings, like um, they 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 typically look at Medicaid programs. Uh, and at, I think at the last uh, couple of cycle ago, uh, the state did cut the adult Medicaid. So uh, when when it was when we when it was reactivated again, um, our clinics did see like a very very long lines of folks trying to get in, uh, and because they haven't had their dental care for a while, um, that their treatment plan basically elongated. So like um, so so basically that took up a lot of capacity, kind of work through those systems, uh, and and obviously. As we all know, like dental was actually one of the first kind of major impact uh, during the COVID. So we do anticipate that to be that 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 to go again. So so no surprise. I mean, Health Point it is uh, the probably the bigger biggest um, community health clinic here in Kirkland. 
There are other community health clinics uh, adjacent to Kirkland, but they're not, you know, like they're not in Kirkland. So the other piece about those two programs is they're the only programs that we're funding that offer that service. That was the other reason why they were put in option B. Gabby's had her hand raised for yeah. a while, Gabby. so. I can wait if, if before me, no? <laughs> um, so my question would be, uh, just because I don't have option A here to make sure, are, are we, and, and try trying to address this, uh, Jonathan's uh, comments, are we giving money for mental health at all? I mean, are we giving any funding that it's addressing this need that it's important to the commission or we are not giving anything to mental health in any of the A, B or, a, B or C? Homelessness and behavioral health were the top priority areas for option A. Okay, so we are we are not just, I mean, we're not cutting mental health. We are just readdressing some of the requests for um, organizations that have not been funded before. And you have to be enrolled in their program to receive those specific services. That's why they're in C. Okay, 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 perfect. So, okay, so for me, that takes care of somehow mental health. Um, it would be maybe easier for me if I see A again, so I can, because I, I, I as you see, I, can, I go back, still go back to trying to see if that we are covering all our bases, but I, I'm, I'm sure what you're, you're, you're telling me is that everything like that is covering option A, but it's just that I cannot remember everything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's covered because we're not able to fully fund a lot of the requests but that we yeah, still so, got, um, yeah, but there's some, a huge portion that is included within option oh, perfect. A. Perfect. Thank you very much. And the other thing is, I, I, I think I am, uh, um, I, I agree with Gildas about, you know, health point, uh, about uh, primary care and, and dental care. It's very relevant and many people do not have any other option. And being in pain, it's physical pain, I think is one of the most uh, uh that would create you not to even to be able to take care of your children or you know do anything. So um, we even had a, a dentist was what that due to the fair helper that was willing to give one one pro bono thing because that person didn't qualify for anything, but he that person has been in pain for dental care in for years. And the, and the problem has been increasing and getting worse. So I would still support having the health point, dental care and medical care still in green where they are. Wow. So just a quick reference, Gabby. Um, in option A, there is $363,000 allocated to behavioral health. So across all three options, it was 468. So what's included in option C is about $75,000. Perfect. That, 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 that is everything I, I wanted to confirm. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Gabby. And then we have Jonathan. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I don't disagree with the comments that have been made. I certainly think it's super important that how debilitating having painful, uh, having pain can be to doing any kind of basic life function. Um, I think there's also um, some strategy involved here uh, that by having some of these important services in option C, 
it may make it very difficult for council to cut them. So there is some value there in putting some things that um, like, like the behavioral health in C uh, and, and being able to justify it based on the fact that, as you said, they have to be in program in order to um, access that, those services. So, um, um, you know, again, based on how much we're putting into A for behavioral health, and um, that it might not be a bad idea to have some in C, uh, a good, even a good percentage of C being there because of um, just arguing the other side of it, that it, it uh, can be strategic to help us get that funding. That in some ways that's worked in the past for us. I think four years ago, um, they fully funded uh, when we um, uh, put the, drew a line and the items below the line were things that were near and dear to council. So they just wanted to fund it all because they didn't want to cut. So a little strategy. Can tell you in their comments when Gildas and I presented, they were concerned about the housing programs that were included in option B that was uplifted um, as one of the primary areas of focus. I can't remember Gildas if they kind of narrowed in on the majority of the behavioral health that were specific to programs in option C. I don't remember any specific no, they, comments. No, they weren't. Yeah a ton of comments about behavioral health specifically yeah yeah I, I think just hearing uh, what i'm hearing so far is if we're if we're kind of keeping our principles around like our b and c's what i'm hearing is that there's a general attitude here is that in terms of ranking we would rank the the mental health programs on top like on the very top in c so if they're funding they will go that they will get funded immediately. Is that, see thumbs up, I see not, so, okay. So I think that those would be NAMI, Friends of Youth, Imagine Housing, and Congregation of the, uh, for the Homeless. And those will be the top ones, right? Because I'm, I'm just reading the list right now. So those will be the top four in C. One, two, three, four. Yeah, it's kind of that second half of the sec of the second to last page, with the exception of the hotel vouchers and the Imagine Housing. That's right. Yeah, on, on the daily living, and then it's the first one on the last page. Would be, yeah, rotating shelter. Is, is that the Congregation of Homeless for Rotating Shelter? Is that for mental health services or is that just the, the shelter itself? Um, it's kind of like an offshoot of their primary shelter that we are fully funding. Got it, got it. Okay. Like overflow, essentially. Got it. Then I would put that next after the mental health pieces. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to summarize this back. So Friends of Youth, Imagine Housing, and yeah. Congregations for the Homeless, top of C, and, <laughs> and NAMI. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Any particular order? <laughs> I would suggest the ones that are east side based versus ones that may be Seattle based or they're... Almost geographically prioritized. Geographically prioritized. The closer they are to Kirkland, the higher they would be, or the more residents in Kirkland that are served. Something like that. Yeah, I like that. 
with a lot of these, we have a regional model. So a lot of them are not in Kirkland specific, but they serve Kirkland residents. So Friends of Youth is Youth and Young Adults, NAMI. Um, this specific program is supporting youth in schools. CFH is a men's shelter. And then Imagine Housing is affordable housing. So they have four properties in Kirkland. I can tell you that this has been a huge need that has been expressed from Imagine. Um, we've heard from them, I would say, more frequently than any of the other providers here. So um, about kind of this being a pretty significant gap in part of their service model. Okay, I would I would put that first then. I um, will advocate for um, youth mental health after that. So friends of you. Okay. And then NAMI and then congregations. Got it. And then Jen, when you say we need, we, we need to rank B, if we're going with the staff recommendation on all the greens and yellows, do we need to rank the red bees as well yes in case there's additional funding that's Got allocated it. okay so we can start with the easy one definitely the two kirkland ones hold on oh, sorry so lynn just teams me council's currently meeting and she said, well, I believe you just got the remaining funds to fill options A, B, and C. <laughs> so are we done for today? Whoa. So our conversation might be for not. Give me one second. She's typing still. All right. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> they, they oh, my gosh. Take all the time you need, Jen. Just kidding. <laughs> Okay, give me one second because I'm not clear what she's saying. It's like, Can you run down the hall? <laughs> Can I go run into council chambers? Yeah. With champagne? Sorry, folks. I'm just going to make sure to preserve our time here. Okay, so we still need to prioritize. That's her recommendation. <laughs> but it sounds like you're receiving funding for all three. Okay. Congratulations. Yay! So council is recommending to fund the full ask, which is in alignment with what their messaging was for September 20th. Kurt still has to figure out how to include it as part of the budget. <laughs> <laughs> so that therefore we still need to rank. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't, I would say it's not as dire at this point of like, these aren't receiving funding. Yeah, I, okay. So I, I mean, I'll, I'll just kick it off. Um, it gives less pressure, but, but we should still rank like you, uh, like Lynn suggested. I would, I, I would say uh, the sounds, I am, I am advocating for sounds generations um, and uh, the CCS, uh, for the volunteer chore in home care 
and the medical equipment loan program because I, I think just again me having having a um, experience in um, more on the healthcare side like transportation has always been an issue on accessibility uh, and also in-home care actually like it serves a lot of uh, really understanding the the social determinants that the that the person is living in their home and oftentimes you're able to kind of discover a lot of um, additional needs um, the, the, the patient has or the person has uh, and, and the medical equipments you know usually like they're they're fairly unaffordable and and uh, some of the uh, medical devices are not covered by insurances. Okay, so you said Sound Generations, CCS, Bridge Disability Ministries. And I think the the Harvard Harvard View and the King County uh, Sexual Assault Resource Center, they're they're cola, right? Those mm -hmm. are cool. yeah. I would put them towards the bottom. Yes, Jory. I was actually going to advocate for those uh, to be next, but you mentioned something about cola. Could you um, clarify what you mean by that? Yeah. So those those are um, the cola amount that we. Have. So I think they're funded. But in the, in like the option A or B. Um, That's the cost of living adjustment, yeah. Jory. Gotcha, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, because I was looking at someone and was like, oh, we're getting, fun we're funding $671. That's a, <laughs> I had to like remember things. <laughs> uh, Gabby. I agree with um, your recommendations. Um, also, I would like to know if we can put maybe in the lower part of the priorities, uh, the, the vouchers, because Jen mentioned that it's already kind of covered in another, in another source. So it's not like it's unprotected, but it's somehow covering somewhere else. And maybe the, the Kirkland Street Outreach Case Manager is also in that same scenario. So maybe that could be go to the bottom. Okay. Thank you, Gabby. Any other comments? Uh, Jory. Um, I would advocate for the families of color of Seattle, either to be next or next up for next uh, <laughs> okay just yep should i summarize back what i've heard yep okay so sound generations and ccs the two volunteer programs bridge disability ministries I heard conflicting things about the DV programs. So they're a higher priority of the commission than some of these other ones. So I would lean towards taking them up to the top of the list. Top being like mid-range, essentially. <laughs> Families of color, Seattle, and then the voucher and the street outreach at the bottom of B. That sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. 
And then for option C, prioritizing the four behavioral health programs at the top. So, um, mm -hmm. and, and I wanna ask, is this generally uh, what Michelle has in mind? Um, just wanna check that and give her, give her the space here. Yes, let me take a look at her list. So she just ranked B. She said option C, they're all important. I can't rank them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she prioritized shelter, life wire, King County Sexual Assault and Resource Center, Youth Eastside Services, their behavioral health programs. Those are all the green bees. Those are greens, yeah. Okay. okay. And then she included the street outreach case manager fairly high up, but she didn't know that we have the additional funds. Um, yeah, she has quite a few in here that are already included within the green option B. Great. I don't see any that we ranked lower that she wants on there. She included Bridge Disability Ministries, which is now higher for option B. Great. Awesome, thank you. All right, um, so it does seem like we have a new updated list pending the good news uh, from the council. So just a thumbs up, nods, you know, how are we feeling on, on the updated B's and C list, CMJ, Gabby, how about you? Jory, thank you. Jonathan, how about you? Awesome, thank you. All right, I believe this concludes our, this section of, uh, of our business items. So next, uh, we have um, Kirkland Teen Union Building Update. And Reggie and I are gonna co-present here. Yep. Let me see if I have problems sharing my screen. <laughs> I think it's when I have it plugged into all three screens, it just gets really confused as to which one it's pulling from. You're too techie, Jen. That's exactly the problem, Gildas. <laughs> so is that working? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> So Jen, are you gonna start or? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. Um, so we have an update on the Kirkland Teen Union Building. If some of you are like, what is that? We're about to tell you. Um, and where we're currently at and kind of a revisioning process on the city side and sharing kind of what current efforts look like as we look to 2023 and the current occupants lease ending. So um, we'll, pause questions until the end if that's okay it's a fairly short slide deck so we'll get through it fairly quickly okay my task because i am the resident historian is to talk about the history of the facility so um the history uh the idea came from the kirkland youth council back starting in 1997 96 um it's been um a youth-driven project from day one um, that 
I was around when um, the city decided to go forward with building the facility uh, and hired the architects. And there was youth involved in every single step of that um, process. So from siting to sitting down with the architects, picking out colors and furniture, it was, it was pretty awesome to see um, adults and youth work together to create this facility. Uh, so initially when the um, facility opened, we contracted with Friends of Youth to operate the day-to-day -day, um, functions within, within the facility. So at that time, um, they had, well, the facility itself, if you haven't been in there, I probably should talk about that too. <laughs> There's a main stage area where um, they have concerts and it's um, fully staged light, lighting and audio sound is all set up as well. Um, there is a um, art area for um, graphic, not graphic design, but basic regular art. So painting and screen um, printing and those types of things. There's a fully furbished um, sound recording studio as well. Um, and then obviously there's some office spaces. Originally there was a dark room as part of the facility. That's sort of, um, that trend has come and gone or the need has come and gone for that. So that was um, changed into a tech lab. So they, we have a tech lab in there as well. And then um, there's also, a full, well, it was fully functioning um, a cafe in there where the idea was to do a um, work, work training program um, dealing or not dealing, but working with um, local coffee shops to train um, young people to be um, baristas. Um, and so Friends of Youth was in there for the first 10 years that the facility was open. And then they decided at the end of their 10 year um, term that they, we're in the business of running a teen center anymore. I wanted to focus more on um, homelessness and housing for young people. So in 2010, uh, YMCA took over as the operating partner for the facility and uh, their lease expired in um, June of 2020, but essentially it ended before that because we all know that COVID happened. So um, that all kind of happened at the same time. The facility was closed for a while, just like everything else was. Uh, then Studio Studio East approached the city as a, um, asking for a temporary site for for their um, their offerings, um, their programming that they do theater, um, because the place that they had um, was no longer available. Actually, the building got torn down, so that wasn't an option for them anymore. So here we are now in 2022, moving forward. Um, I'll have Jen explain the, the parallel processes that are going on, uh, but the first thing that we had done, we had an RFP process for um, other uh, entities to potentially uh, contract with us to run the, the facility again as we have in the past. Um, those RFPs were due at the end of September, is that right? I'm getting time, time is kind of warped. Uh, so we did receive um, five um, or request for proposals that were reviewed by a committee of city staff. And there are two um, that are moving forward. And then I'll pass it off to Jen to talk about the current plan. 
All right. So thanks for the segue, Reggie. So we ran an extended RFP process. So RFP stands for request for proposal. So when the city is interested in contracting with a vendor, so specifically here, we're looking at nonprofit organizations for the most part, the city releases basically a notice saying, here's what we're looking for. Please submit a proposal that addresses these key pieces. The RFP was included in your packet tonight if you had a chance to review it. So there was an extended window for this RFP, given the comprehensive nature of the proposals the city was asking for. And of ahead of that RFP process, um, we did include tours of the space. So different um, folks that were interested in the space could come and take a look to see if it was something they were interested in, um, be able to take pictures, videos, things like that. Um, the other piece that is included within an RFP process is a Q&A period. So um, different parties are able to submit questions and then staff um, create answers and that is posted publicly. So everyone that's submitting in theory has access to the same information and there isn't varying information going for each person who might be asking the same question. Um, as Reggie mentioned, we received five proposals. We're not releasing um, who that is yet, um, just by nature of um, protecting kind of their interests and identities while the evaluation process is underway um, before it moves kind of to the next step. Um, so as Reggie mentioned, um, there is a staff committee that is currently reviewing proposals and is going to identify the top proposals um, that are then going to be presented in tandem with the city's proposal, which I'll get to momentarily. The top proposals will be invited for interviews by Kirkland staff um, to kind of flesh out some questions that maybe come up, as well as give them an opportunity to provide some more um, feedback and kind of perspective on what their vision is for the space and what they would be able to offer. We'll also be taking those proposals around to different um, stakeholder groups, including the Human Services Commission, which is why we're here today. Um, and then at the end of this year, potentially in early January, we will be going to council kind of with a summary of the process and where we currently are with the proposals. So when we talk about KTAB and why that lands in human services, um, this is why. So the comprehensive plan does have what's called a human services element. So really an area that identifies goals and initiatives that help meet the human services component and goals of the city. So one of the specific goals within the element is to strive for a community in which families, neighbors, schools, and organizations all work together to help young people specifically become engaged, competent, and responsible members of the community. So the support of the successful operations of KTUB falls under this element of the plan, hence why we are here tonight um, to see what your feedback is um, during this process in helping identify who is best positioned to be able to really carry out this goal as part of the comprehensive plan. So what is the city's vision for KTUB? Reggie did a really great job at teeing it up, so I'm not gonna say a lot more. Um, but really the vision for this space is to be able to provide a comprehensive teen center um, that can offer programs and different services for all different 
types of teens. So as Kirkland becomes more diverse and the needs become, I would say, more distinct and kind of what creates a safe space for different folks, we really want to be able to partner with someone who is able to work with other partners in the community, as well as be driven by youth voice and perspective and really bringing what the needs of the youth community are at the forefront of this space. So of course, it's to support those social interactions. Um, we recognize how important that is in those like pretty key development years. And there's a lot of different ways that that can be achieved. And it really depends on kind of what different folks um, are interested in in that space. So can be more recreation, physical activity focused, which would be more on the rec side. It could also be more art and music focused on the creative side. It could be development of life skills. So Reggie said, being able to help with different skills that could help with employment, um, maybe helping with college applications, um, or maybe just being able to get their homework in on time, right? So that kind of leads into the next one, job and academic support. So being able to meet youth where they're at and supporting them with what their goals are. And then a really big one that has been uplifted, especially through the Youth Council's um, survey that came to you earlier this year with the results is behavioral health services. So that's something that's been uplifted. There's a huge need right now um, to provide this kind of on-demand support, and yet the wait lists are very, very long with a lot of our providers. So being able to have services that are available for teens to tap into if needed is a really um, important part of what we want this space to be. And then the last one is teens. Teens are exploring. Teens have a lot of decisions to make and sometimes those decisions can put them in in danger. Um, it can also um, put them at risk of you know, potentially placing their academics or what have you at risk. And so being able to be able to provide on-site resources, whether that's their program, service, what have you, maybe peer support, um, to be able to support them making healthy life choices that are in alignment with where they want to go, um, kind of as they continue to grow up um, and become citizens um, or residents of the community. So in tandem with the external RFP process um, that the city is running, the city is also in the process of developing its own proposal. So the city is in a unique position in many ways to be able to bring many folks together to share the space and to be able to meet kind of those goals of KTUB being a comprehensive teen center. Um, one of the things I think that comes up when we say this often is people say, well, if the city's developing a proposal, why are you soliciting external proposals? Why wouldn't council just choose the city's proposal? And there's, you know, there's opportunities and there's limitations on both sides. So if the city was chosen to kind of be the primary operator of the space, we would have to partner with several partners because running a comprehensive teen center, despite us having the phenomenal reggae is not in our wheelhouse. We work with a lot of different providers and provide a lot of funding to different folks to be able to provide a lot of these services in the community. So it would be a pretty significant lift on the city staff side, the overhead side to be able to make this into what we really envision it to be. It also comes at a higher um, financial cost to the city to be able to staff this and provide the overhead, pay the bills, um, and again, kind of be responsible for managing multiple contracts of folks who are coming into this space. Whereas if we 
let's say contracted with one primary vendor, and then that vendor is responsible for subcontracting with additional vendors. So there's opportunities and limitations with both proposals. And so that's why we're going to go to council with the top external proposal and the top city proposal, and they will ultimately make the decision about which direction they'd like to take. So why are we coming to you tonight? Um, the Human Services Commission is a really important group um, and gathering feedback during this process. Um, we want you to hear from us kind of what the city's vision is ahead of seeing those proposals. So what we'll be doing at our meeting later this month is we will be bringing the top external proposals and the city's proposal to you to get feedback specifically around which one do you think achieves the city's vision. Um, it won't hurt our feelings if it's not ours. We really want this to be what's best for the community and specifically what's best for the youth in our community. So um, if there's a better proposal that's external, that is exciting to us. So we are going to come back in a couple of weeks with those proposals and you will have a chance to review the proposals that were submitted along with the city's proposal. So those will be included in the November 22nd packet for your review. And we're doing a similar process with both the Youth Council and then Park Board as well. So just before we wrap up here, just a kind of overall timeline. So the evaluation for the external proposals was completed um, in October. So just a few days ago, we're now moving into the interviews and gathering stakeholder input in November. So that's why we'll be back in a couple of weeks with um, the top external and then the city's proposal. Um, we have decided we'll be presenting to council in January. December was feeling a little tight. Um, given a lot of the time off folks are taking as well as the holidays. So January is more realistic, I think, um, in order to make sure that we're gathering all the feedback that we want from different folks. Council will most likely make a decision in January, assuming there's no questions that they need um, answered that can't be answered during that presentation to council at their January meeting. And then the lease for Studio East is up in May of 2023. So um, depending on kind of what the transition looks like in Studio East, um, if they, you know, if a new person is selected um, from an external proposal or the city, um, they would most likely have to exit. And so we would be looking at a summer 2023 lease for whoever is chosen to um, be able to access that space. So with that, we will open it up to questions and comments. And all these pictures are from KTUB participants, um, KTUB space. So that's why you get all those cute pictures. Thank you, Jen. Uh, I see Jory and then Jonathan. I think this is really incredible. And it leads up to another question that relates to our commission. Um, I was just trying to may let us know what the uh, process is to get feedback from youth um, from like kids that are going to use the center. And also that relates to us as a commission in another way is uh, where are we at with like getting a youth representative? And yeah, it's, it's really good stuff that um, everything's going into KTUB. I can answer the first question. So we are going to youth council. They are the primary body that is going to be kind of providing that youth voice. 
they also have their survey results that um, really help us prioritize what some of those programs and services should be in that space. If there are additional opportunities or recommendations you have um, that you want to send our way, please do. Um, obviously, Reggie is the expert in this area, so um, but we are relying pretty heavily on the Youth Council to provide feedback. In regards to your second question, can I table that to staff reports? Okay. And I just wanted to add to what Jen was saying is in regards to the Youth Council. So they had this presentation, when did we meet? Last week? Mm -hmm. I think it was last week. Um, and they were, in addition to this, they were also tasked with going out and talking to their peers over the next three weeks until we meet again um, on the 14th. So um, to get feedback from their peers as they consider um, the proposals that are going to be coming their way at the next meeting. Okay, thank you, Jory. Thank you, Reggie. Jonathan, then MJ, then back to Jory. Um, so just a few questions. Um, I think they're pretty quick ones. Uh, so um, which department wrote the city's proposal? The parks department is currently preparing it. So the recreation manager and her team. So the recreation team and then the human services team. Okay. Um, and is there particular, like when you think about our five groups of, uh, of areas like homelessness, food insecurity, et cetera, can you tell us which groups are would be impacted from the from the city's proposal, and also the other proposals that are coming in? I know you can't tell us which agencies are making proposals, but it'd be great to know like which um, uh, group need you know which need groups are being addressed, if you will. Well, that's a good question. I think within the city's proposal. Off the top of my head, we're still developing the city's proposal, but I would say it hits three of the five. I mean, definitely mm -hmm. the supportive community, um, the employment and education, potentially housing and homelessness. Mm -hmm. um, again, it depends on what partners might be interested in mm -hmm. being able to access the space and then behavioral health, which would right. be under healthcare. Reggie? Any I'm missing? Nope, I think that's, you got it. Yeah. And okay. I think with the external proposals, it's pretty similar. Okay, cool. With, with and, I would say the higher ranked proposals. There are some that um, I would say touch on like one compared yeah. to multiple, yeah. Right, and I just wanna give a shout out to Jory. I just loved his comment and his, you know, just the way you think, it's just great. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, MJ. Mostly I want to say I'm just really glad that KTEB's going to be back. I was only there once or twice, but it was such a cool space. And so unlike anything else in Kirkland, I was really excited about it and then sad when it went away. So super excited it will be back in, in some form or another. Um, it was a 10-year lease before. Um, is that still how it's going to be going forward? Is that sort of a normal Lease yeah, in? so it's been adjusted to a five-year lease okay. for this specific process. Um, the other thing is, I just I know that um, youth from outside of Kirkland used it too, and I hope that the city is thinking about what um, what youth could use regionally and not just the youth who live in Kirkland, since there are a lot of 
I mean, I think this is something all our agencies deal with, right? That, you know, there are folks who have connections to Kirkland who work here but can't afford to live here, et cetera. So, you know, um, I really hope that that uh, it will keep being a place that people will want to come to Kirkland to go to. Yeah, we're really looking at proposals that fully leverage this space. So being able to offer things seven days a week during school hours into the evening. And so I think especially given the regional nature of a lot of our programs, it will most likely be the fact that it will serve residents beyond Kirkland, just given the scope of a lot of our programs. But I think prioritizing Kirkland youth in some of our more, um, I would say, home-based Kirkland programs will probably have a slight priority within kind of the city's proposal as well as considering the external proposals. Hey. Thank you, MJ. Jory, Gabby. Thank you, Jonathan, for the shout out. Um, in, in addition to what I mentioned before, um, just giving feedback, I, I would defer to what the youth are saying, but as a 31-year-old uh, on the Human Services Commission, I, I would prioritize, if I could rank, uh, the three focuses I heard was development, uh, I, would, I would focus on development, focusing on like uh, helping with college admissions and all that. Um, the reason being is from the perspective as a coach and someone that's been around high schoolers, the counselors are great people, uh, but they're overworked. And I think that the city has the opportunity to help more youth and the youth would really benefit from that. A lot of the youth I've noticed, they're becoming, they're way better than I was. In high school, they're they, they're very focused. Of like, oh wow, geez, I, I wish I was like you. Uh, um, I I think that there's going to be a growing demand with that. Uh, I would also next rank the art, um, the art focus, giving a a place for uh, kids to feel safe and express themselves and to better understand their uh, artistic gifts or lack thereof. But at least. Uh, emotionally uh, opening up and uh, just again expressing themselves and recreation like as far as like if it's physical activity I think they have a pretty good amount a uh, pretty good number of opportunities throughout the school system thanks Jory Gabby uh, this is an amazing thing I have uh, this is the first time that I uh see these and I, I am wow I mean I am amazed and very happy and I think well I, I want to say that I, I, I feel honored to live in a, in a city that takes so much good care and is, and is concerned about youth and the development because that's the generation that we also need to be concerned about because they are also facing a lot of challenges so kudos for that. Uh, I just, uh, for my own education, when you talk about uh, youth council, council, I just wanted to know, I mean, what is the level of representation that in that council for, from underserved communities? I mean, uh, what is the variety of that we have in that council? So we make sure everybody feels included. A great question. I'm going to kick it to Reggie. Yeah, so I'll just, um, and I haven't run the, the the exact percentages for the group right now, 
we just just completed our interview process um, for new members because we COVID really hit our group hard and it was about half the size it normally was. We received 75 applications, um, about half of those kids were interviewed and then about half of those were then selected. Uh, and then because I don't have it exact, but um, over a, what was it Jen, 40% were identified as Asian, um, a third identified as white. Um, and the next grouping was um, biracial and I think it was, 6% black, Jen, I'm sorry, I don't have that in data yeah. right in front of me, but at any rate, um, that wasn't predominantly white. Um, and in addition, there was also, we only, the applications only asked what the kids were comfortable sharing. So um, some of the kids didn't respond at all. We don't have obviously any information on the financial situation of the students. Um, the closest thing that we can get to that is um, where they live, what school they go to, um, but, um, yeah, how they self-identified was the information that, that we got. Um, so yeah, I think that, I mean, it, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. I have to be honest. I was very worried <laughs> going into the recruitment process, um, um, because morale low, was low for everybody. Um, but they, they just knocked it out of the water. I mean, 75, we've never received that many applications in the history of the group. So, um, and I mean, if we had more time, I could tell you some of the stories of these kids is just overwhelming to me. Um, like Dory was saying, there, <laughs> there's a lot of go-getters and there's a lot of kids that have really heart-wrenching stories too, um, but they still want to give back to their community. And I think that's pretty awesome. I just put the information that Reggie summarized in the chat. It's one of the most diverse groups that the city has. Peggy's done a phenomenal job. That's great. I think I think on the topic of this kind of like representation, um, I think one of the things that I would look for in a proposal would be, you know, how do we, you know, outreach to different pockets of our youth? Um, so whether they're they're going to, you know, how what is our connection strength or outreach strength to, you know, our our typical school system, but also like you said, Jen, I think, you know, uh, youth that are outside the youth systems uh, and certainly um, youth that are unhoused. So so I do absolutely support and is very excited that the city has a vision that this would be a, a full, you know, like intentions, a full use of the facility, uh, seven, hopefully seven day a week. So uh, looking forward to kind of reading uh, those proposals. So really, really excited for, uh, for November 22nd. Yeah, uh, and I, I would say coming into that, if you have specific groups or populations that you want to uplift that you're looking for, like that is the specific feedback we'll be looking for of who have we not invited to the table yet that you think we should, um, who should be some of those priority populations that these programs and services support. Jonathan, then MJ. Um, yeah, when I was um, doing some research on outreach for our commission, um, I found that there was a Juanita High School uh, Black Student Employee Group. And um, I don't know if Lake Washington High School has something similar or there's something for um, kids that are Latino, Latina. I think that would be really cool to um, uh, like just do a, call, a quick, I mean, just go to the high school website and then you should have listed the um, Black Student Group at Juanita. And I would bet there are other ones too. So that would be cool to either 
for um, getting feedback on this is getting back to the KTUB proposal to get you know feedback on that um, if you wanted to do further outreach beyond the youth council not required just an idea can I just jump in on that so actually Jonathan two of the new um, members that were selected are part of the ASAP group that um, I can't remember what it stands for but that's the black student group um, and we actually partner with YES for that group um, the staff the staff person is a YES um, staff person. And then we also have, um, a, I can't, I don't know if they ever came up with an official name, but it's a Latinx group at Juanita High School too. Um, and they've been, they were supposed to start in um, 2020, but you know what happened? And so they, last year was essentially their first full year. So we're into the second year of both of those programs at Juanita High School. I know, um, as far as like Washington High School goes, they have some more informal groups, um, definitely not as strong as those two at Juanita High School because they don't have the um, staff support and staff that are um, relatable um, to those populations as well. That's so good to hear. I should have figured you were on it. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. MJ. Um, I want to call out um, the the need to make sure this is a good space for black youth in particular um the previous director of this space um antoine jackson um is black was really great at working with black youth also just had a really cool like life story that i know helped him kind of relate to students who weren't doing well in school and stuff um and after the incident where the police um attacked a black boy at k-tub I like, I mean, when I hear KTUB, I just think about that incident now. And I have to imagine for Black youth that, you know, that may not really feel like a, a safe place if they have heard about that and so on. So I really hope the city is putting some thought into how to make it a safe space again and how to communicate that that is, is the intention. Thanks, MJ, for uplifting that. Okay. Any other comments? All right, well, thank you. I thought that was a very, very good uh, discussions. Uh, next uh, on the agenda item is a uh, discussion around our 2023 meeting calendar. Um, so Jen, take it away. Yeah. So I do have a slide deck at the end of that presentation, Reggie. Do you mind pulling it back up? Of course, I just closed it. Of Hold course, on. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I apologize. It was on the same one? Yeah, I just added it at the end. Okay, just a second. For my, my visual folks in the room. So I'll jump in as she's pulling that up. So we wanted to do just a quick check-in about 2023. Um, this is our second to last meeting before the end of the year and a much deserved break from this group who has met so many times this year and just put such a tremendous effort forward to support the grant recommendations. So we wanted to just briefly share with you 
a calendar for 2023, as well as talk about the meeting format going into 2023, give an update. I know there's been a lot of questions um, around hybrid, remote, in-person, what that looks like. So just wanted to share an update from you on kind of what our capacity is on the staff end. So these are the current um, days and times for um, the meetings for 2023. No special meetings as of yet. So um, we won't be seeing as much of each other, but we will be doing a lot of learning in 2023. It is our off year. So pretty big focus on what you're interested in learning about, what organizations you want to invite into the space um, to really help kind of enhance and build on what you've learned this year uh, with a crash course and the grant recommendations. So the only date I want to draw your attention to is the December date. Um, you know, our with how the fourth Tuesday falls, um, it's challenging with the two holidays in November and December. So the December was going to fall on the 26th, which no one wants to attend a commission meeting um, the day after the holiday, if that's a holiday that you celebrate, um, but it is a holiday that a lot of folks have off, so there's a lot of traveling. So we are proposing to shift that up a week ahead, um, again, knowing that that last week of the year is a bit of a, like, what actually happens during that week. So um, this is the current meeting calendar. Um, you have it in your packet as well, but just wanted to put this on your radar ahead of taking your break. And if you want to go to the next slide, Reggie. Thank you for your slide deck ability since I'm apparently not able to do that this evening. So kind of what do commission meetings look like in 2023? So one of the challenges, I'll just be honest, um, as we kind of move into this, we're still managing the pandemic. Folks are starting to feel more comfortable being in person. Folks are wanting to meet more in person, um, but there are limitations, I think, kind of given um, the comforts that a lot of us have experienced with the remote world, there's still, I think, a pretty, I would say, split preference on how to move forward. And this is a space that the city has never really operated in before and being able to fully offer hybrid support, um, especially for the meeting spaces that happen outside of council. So there were several service packages that were included as part of the budget process. So essentially, if there is new programs or funding outside of the base budget from the previous cycle, you can prepare a recommendation um, to be considered. So multiple departments did um, put forth service packages to be able to have um, additional IT support to be able to offer hybrid meetings for Human Services Commission, Park Board, things like that. With how the city currently operates, it requires like four people to do it, which is truly our entire division. So especially from the Human Services lens, pretty limited capacity in being able to offer a hybrid option that would really, I think, feel equitable and feel like both could equally participate in the space. So with that limitation, the city at this point is only going to continue to support hybrid for city council meetings. So it's up to the individual committees and the boards how they want to move forward. So one of the things that has come up in this group um, is kind of where are we at with this? 
And so what we figured we would do is send out a survey to the commission to see what you're interested in um, and make a decision as a group going into 2023 if you want to do in-person versus remote. What I will say about in-person is that's, you know, the primary way that this group and all the other advisory groups to the council met pre-COVID. So there is still options and flexibility in being able to call in. Zoom still has that function where there is limitation with in-person participation is we can't do what we're doing right now. We wouldn't necessarily be able to see someone who's calling in on the phone. So there, this is a bit of a gray area for the city. Again, we haven't been in this space before. There isn't a lot of clear direction, but we're bringing it up now in anticipation of knowing that we're not meeting in December. So if additional guidance comes through or some sort of policy is established around, this is the way you have to make a decision. But right now, it's kind of up to individual groups on what they wanna do. As you know, we public noticed, we did an in-person meeting um, at our meeting last month. Um, but so we wanted to put this out to the group because um, we are going to send out a survey to see what folks are interested in doing um, kind of going into 2023 so we can figure out on the staffing side how we need to plan in regards to space reservation, things like that. So that's to come. And then the last thing that we're going to touch on tonight and I recognize that we're running out of time and I do want to get us out of here on time. So we might have to table this to next meeting, um, given the fact that we had to do the ranked list is brainstorm different topics as well as organizations that folks are interested in ahead of 2023 as we start to build out the 2023 meeting calendar. So there are some specific things that we will be focusing on um, earlier in the year in 2023, specifically around how programs did in 2022. So being able to provide a summary um, of both outcomes and demographic data. We also want to come back to the group with an update on um, the ARPA projects um, that you recommended to council earlier this year. That feels like years ago, but it was just the beginning of 2022, um, as well as provide an update on our different um, CDBG COVID-19 dollars and how those are being spent and an update on those. So we definitely have some things that we can start the year off with as we start to build out kind of quarter two through quarter four, wanting to get your input. So, but I am gonna table that for now, recognizing the time. And we, I do want to um, talk about the commissioner recruitment update because I know that's a topic of interest. And then there is another area as well. Yeah, I think we, we can just do the time. I think we can, table the, the topics for next year for later this month. Um, Jonathan, I saw your hand up, so, uh, and I saw your hand down, so I just wanna <laughs> make sure you're yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'll just follow up offline with, with Jen about uh, the, I mean, I've run many training sessions where I have people on Zoom and I have people in the room live and it doesn't require four people. So I'm just very confused about why the city can't accommodate people in person and over Zoom at the same time. Um, so I'll follow up later because I'm happy to, um, I want to learn more about that because I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so we should be able to figure out a way that doesn't cost the city any money. Okay, that is a good goal. No, no extra dollars. 
Okay, so with that, um, Jen, I think you're going to give a quick update on the recruitment side. Yeah. So um, as we speak, Council is receiving an update on the applications that were received as part of the extended recruitment period. So applications were open until October 27th, so last Thursday, I think 4 p.m., we received six adult and one youth application. So council will decide who wants to be on the selection committee. So they're in the process of scheduling interviews with those who applied, and then they will come back most likely at the December meeting to make recommendations on who to fill those two vacancies. Great. Lovely. So uh, I will I will watch that update so I have more information, but I can't be in two places at once. <laughs> the first deal was excellent, so that that was that was good enough for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I think last uh, in our usual topics, um, any commissioner uh, and additional. Let's start with any commissioner. Can, can we hold on just a moment, Jen? Did you have one more topic you wanted to cover? I do. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Annie. Annie's my brain tonight. I said, don't let me forget this thing I need to bring up. So um, Gabby had reached out to us about Imagine Housing a couple weeks ago. So Imagine Housing is an affordable, affordable housing developer that provides ser supportive services on the east side. They have 15 different properties, four of which are in Kirkland. If you have been watching the city council meetings, you will know that there have been many Imagine Housing tenants that have provided public comment um, over the last couple years. Not there, there's been a few the last couple of months, but over the last couple of years, um, kind of in waves, there's tenants that will come to council um, providing some specific concerns that they're seeing at the properties on both the case management and the property management side. And so Gabby had reached out um, with some questions. And so I think it's a good idea for us to talk about it as a group, considering um, they're currently receiving funding. And we're also um, proposing from both the commission staff side and council is supportive of them receiving funding. So um, I don't know how familiar folks are with kind of some of the concerns that have been elevated, but like I said, they kind of vary. Um, some are around accessibility issues and not um, responding to reasonable accommodation requests in time. Um, some are around staff not being on site as frequently as residents would like to see. Um, there's also concerns about lack of policies and procedures being clearly communicated to tenants if they have a concern about something, who they can go to, who's not their case manager or their property manager. So City Council has directed staff to meet with each of those tenants, and Amanda has been doing the heavy lifting there. So talking with individual tenants, getting their stories, because three minutes is not a long time, um, and being able to kind of document that. And then uh, City Council has also been um, visiting uh, different properties, um, two specifically. Well, they visited one and then they're going to another one this week. And then last week, City Council also met with Imagine Housing tenants, several of whom have attended the last few council meetings to hear residents. I would say the other piece that I'll uplift on the staff side is that we have met with Imagine and we have a pretty clear line of communication with them. Every single time a resident 
provides comment, we receive an email, a city council receives something. We normally have a follow-up with Imagine, um, specifically with the staff or the supervisor of the staff um, that it's their property and that kind of is within their purview. Imagine is more than willing to meet with us and talk about it in the context of also not um, prioritizing confidentiality of individual tenant situations and being mindful that anything they share with us over email is subject to public record and being really mindful and sensitive to some of the situations. So there is a limitation in what we're able to do. Um, what I will share with you from my personal experience and recommendation is many of the concerns that are being uplifted are not within the purview of the city. I have communicated this to council as well as executive leadership. I think a lot of these concerns and Amanda has uplifted this, I think, given her experience and background in this space, that a lot of these issues need to be brought to the board of Imagine. They provide oversight to the organization. And if staff are not being accountable, the board is really kind of that primary owner and making sure um, through oversight that that is happening and that tenants are being supported. So that is currently on the staff side what we're doing. Uh, we connect with residents and we're providing that information. Um, the other player that I would say that is pretty involved here is Eastside for All. So they've been working with tenants to make sure that tenants are able to use their voice and share. A lot of them have never had this opportunity before. And so I think we can all share that we're mindful of that and supportive of that. And that includes Imagine. Imagine said a lot of these folks have never had a voice. If this is where, you know, they feel like they need to share their story, like we're supportive of that. We just want to be able to problem solve to understand what their needs are and try to accommodate within, you know, kind of staffing capacity and limitations. So I'll pause there and see if there's any specific questions. Amanda, feel free to jump in as well because you've been pretty involved um, or if you want to add anything before I open up to questions. Happy to add, thank you. Okay. Hey, thank you for that update, uh, Jen, and uh, rem reminding Jen to bring up Annie. <laughs> Um, any other questions for for Jen and the rest of the staff? Okay. Um, so moving on to our last part, uh, any commissioner reports? And then sure, I'll uh, I'll just share that I went to the um, East Side uh, or the Kirkland uh, Health and Wellness Fair. And uh, it was an outstanding event. I don't know if y'all, you know, how many of you got a chance to go? Um, I ran into Jen there and Reggie. Um, Annie, I think you were upstairs and I missed you. You were um, working with the, um, the vaccinations, I believe, and, and some of the other work that was going on upstairs. But wow, what an impressive event. I mean, it was packed and a lot of our agencies were there. Um, and it was a great chance to meet those folks that we, you know, really just know on paper, so many of them, right? And, you know, so getting to meet them and talk to them and walk around, just a super um, event. And, and um, I've been to a lot of events like that um, in different industries. And I'm telling you, the, it was the best swag I'd ever gotten. <laughs> I saw Jen in the parking lot and I was like, can you believe this? She goes, I know, it's great. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was really good. And I got to meet Jen's pup. That was really a highlight. 
So uh, anyway, that was great. And then the, just the other thing I'll add is that, um, you know, I, we kind of made that, you know, we had that discussion last meeting about extending the date for the application so we could get um, the word out to all different communities. Uh, and, uh, and then I felt kind of obligated to do some work to actually push that out there. And it, once I started researching, it was super interesting. I mean, I, I think I identified like 12 or 15 different groups that I was able to send the information out to. And, um, um, and I sent those on to um, Kathy, the city clerk, and she's gonna use those in the future for posting um, the jobs. And, and I'm sure my list isn't comprehensive. So if other groups, other folks know of other groups, um, it'd be great to add to the, um, to the list. Um, so um, maybe I'll, I'll send that out and folks can just kind of build on it. We can get that to Kathy and that'll help really um, get the word out. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be interesting to see if that shows up in our list of applicants too, like what the diversity of our um, our applicant pool is like. I, I really quickly want to add, Gabby, your very own Gabby was front center presence at the health and wellness fair as part of KCPN, King County Promotors Network, who were the organizers of that phenomenal event. Mm. It was amazing. So shout out what an amazing group of folks so much hard work put into that and i was humbled and so much gratitude and love to you all you did an amazing job i reported to gabby all day it was awesome <laughs> That's great. loved watching gabby boss jen it was amazing <laughs> just kidding <laughs> great sorry i didn't run into you gabby i didn't realize that that's awesome Congratulations, Gabby. Well, I think uh, honor to what honor is needed. Annie has been the one advocating for this since last year. And I don't think anything of this would be possible without all, all, the, all the things that you need to do inside the house in order to get the approval and the funding and the, you know, the okays and everything. So I think, uh, I think Annie's a, a cornerstone, a cornerstone, yes, yes, for the base stone for, for, for this, the success of this. And, and the rest is just teamwork. I mean, I think we all had a lot of fun and, and, and a great, and I think it was a great experience. Great event. Yay, congrats. And Amanda was, and Amanda um, was there too at the front table. I don't know if we mentioned it. Amanda was like dishing was out there. the swag. Yeah, that was the swag swag handler. Yeah, and I think uh, also kudos for all the people, all, all the staff. I mean, we all work so hard that I think the experience was like nobody, I mean, everybody was so worn out that next day, I think we did nothing on Sunday or, or at least me, I did nothing on Sunday other than trying to recover. So I think everybody worked for a long, I mean, very long hours. And, and I think the most important thing is we saw a lot of people very happy, very happy receiving services. And that's amazing. That's great. All right, on that note, if there are no further staff reports, I would love to end, end, end the meeting on this high note. So, if uh, there's no I other- I just saw, sorry, I just saw Amanda go off mute. Amanda. Nope. I mean, I did, but not. No, go for it. 
I have nothing. No. Oh, you went off mute, but you don't have anything. I don't have anything. Got it. Perfect. Okay. All right. So with that, uh, again, ending on a high note, uh, can I get a motion to adjourn the meeting? Motion to adjourn. Thank you, Jonathan. Do I hear a second? Second. All right. Thank you, everybody. I will see you all later this month. Good night. Good night. Good night Thank you. Good night.